Well, the effects of anger are everywhere in our society. Every news bulletin, I'm sure, has at least one story about the effects of anger. Road rage, pub brawls, violence on the sporting field and among spectators, workplace bullying, suicide, domestic abuse, broken families, gang shootings and more. Uh, But more than in the news, anger affects all of us personally. Perhaps as a victim of anger, but certainly as an offender, someone who gets angry. We all get angry at some time. We all show that anger in different ways. Uh, My first point is that anger is widespread and diverse. I suspect all of us can remember the last time we got angry, if we think about it. Uh, Perhaps it was with a stranger, uh, another driver in a car or someone in a public situation, or maybe it was someone you know well, a close friend or family member. Someone said or did something that you thought was wrong, unfair, undeserved, unjust, Perhaps you were the victim or maybe someone else was the victim. And you reacted. Your pulse quickened. Your adrenaline started flowing. Maybe steam came out your ears like the icon, (laughs) the emoji. Perhaps you thought about what you would do next or maybe you just reacted instinctively. Now, that next step is most important. It's when anger does the most damage, like Merrick was talking about. It's the next step after you feel anger. What do you do? It does the most damage to yourself, to others, to relationships. Most of us, I think, choose one of two paths when we feel angry. Fight or flight. We're a volcano or we're an iceberg. Uh, We're a bull or we're an ostrich. Perhaps you get angry, so this is thinking about the fight. Perhaps you get angry and you explode. That's a fight response. You're an exploding volcano, a charging bull. Maybe it's shouts and insults or maybe quiet critical and hurtful comments. Or maybe passive aggression. You say nothing, but you take revenge in some other way. Maybe you honk your horn. Maybe you get physical, push and grab and hit. Or maybe you choose flight. That's this side. You're angry, but outwardly you're calm. You avoid confrontation. You're the ostrich. You bury your head in the sand. Now, on the surface, that's a better response, isn't it? But the anger doesn't go away. You're the iceberg. There's not much to see above the water, but everything is below the surface where you can't see it. Inside, you quietly fume. You're smiling on the outside, but it's through gritted teeth. You clench your fists. Your pulse is racing, your insides are churning. You feel physically sick at the thought of conflict. Now, avoidance might work 
when you're angry with a stranger. But for someone that you spend a lot of time with, a family member or a close friend, eventually that anger will show itself. You can't keep it buried forever. The longer you avoid the issue, the more resentment and bitterness will grow. Until one day all the pressure that's been building inside you is released and normally it's worse than if you had said something earlier. So, anger affects everyone. But we all show anger in different ways and maybe at different times. Perhaps sometimes you're fight and sometimes you're flight. Sometimes you're a bull and sometimes you're an ostrich. Uh, My second point, uh, however you express anger, I want to say anger is sinful. Uh, I'll slightly qualify that in a moment. Anger is sinful. Just in case you need more evidence uh, than your own experience, here are some Bible verses. Jesus says, You have heard it that it was said to people long ago, Do not murder anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anger is not something small. Murder begins with anger, and both of them bring God's judgment. Colossians chapter 3, Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because of things like this, the wrath of God is coming, but now you must get rid of, uh, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Uh, this verse is saying that anger is part of your old sinful nature and God wants you to put it to death. Anger is a sin. But, but notice in that list there that so is rage. I think rage is probably what happens when anger explodes. That's the volcano. Rage is a sin. And malice. Malice is a sin. I think that's what the iceberg does with anger. Malice is feelings of spite and resentment. Bottling up the anger but not acting on it. Malice is a sin. Now my guess nobody is surprised by this. We all know the damage that anger can do and what the damage when we don't deal with anger well. But is anger always a sin? Perhaps you noticed verse 26, Merrick talked about it in the kids' talk. In your your anger do not sin, uh, our translation has. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now that seems to suggest that you can be angry and not sin. That the sin comes with what you do with the anger. Uh, Well, is that that a case or not? Uh, Maybe that's something you can talk about later. Uh, The reality, though, is that Jesus got angry. Jesus never sinned. So it's at least theoretically possible for people to be angry and not sin. So, in, uh, for example, Mark chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus heals a man with a, a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And he's angry at the people who are more interested in catching Jesus, breaking the Sabbath, 
than they are in rejoicing that this poor man has been healed. He's angry at them. Uh, Mark chapter 10, Jesus is angry when the disciples rebuke parents who are bringing their children to Jesus. He's indignant. Uh, John chapter 2, Jesus found the temple courts full of people selling and changing money. It actually doesn't say that he's angry in in any of the four gospel accounts, interestingly. Uh, But in John chapter 2, he makes a whip. He drove everybody out of the temple, including all the animals. He scattered the coins. He turns over the tables. Now, now that looks like anger to me. I'll say he got angry here. But what about us? Is it possible for us to be angry and not sin? I'm not convinced, but I'm open to being convinced. Here's a hint, though. As you look at what, what sort of situations was Jesus angry in? His anger was always at the treatment of other people. At how children or the disabled or how God were being treated. He is never angry at how he has been treated. And so perhaps that's a good model for us to follow if we're thinking about it's possible to be angry and not sin. We are following Jesus when we advocate on behalf, on behalf of other people. We're following Jesus when we feel strongly about injustice and unfairness against children, refugees, the disabled, when we feel strongly about defending God's honour. Now, perhaps you might want to call that anger, or maybe you want to call it something else. But even if we, if we do feel strongly for a good cause like that, injustice against other people, sinful anger is still dangerously close, isn't it? Even if it is possible to have righteous anger, hatred, judgmentalism, pride come very close behind that anger. Now the things that flow from anger, I think, are the emphasis of the Ephesians passage that you have in your sheet there. The message in the Ephesians passage is to watch out for the anger, the sin that flows from your anger. For example, the person who bottles up the anger and lets bitterness build. Now that's the person verse 26 is speaking to. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Deal with your irritation, don't dwell on it, don't let it grow, otherwise it will build and will make things worse. Now that word for angry in verse 26, it's a different one uh, to the, the previous verse, in your anger do not sin. Different word here. Do not let the sun go down while you are still provoked or irritated. Now, this is a word for us conflict avoiders, for us icebergs, us ostriches. Uh, We hope that if we just ignore it, it'll go away. But do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Deal with it. Anger is like a splinter. The longer you leave it, the more painful it gets. Don't ignore it. Deal with it, this verse says. How do you deal with it? Well, Jesus showed us one way to deal with our irritation. Uh, In Luke 17.3, he says, 
If your brother sins, just ignore it. No, he doesn't say just ignore it. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So that's telling you that this is not a sin against something else. This is a sin against you. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in one day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. So how do we deal with our anger? Well, we talk to the person who has angered us. Tell them what's irritated you, how they have sinned against you, how you feel. Now, that won't be easy. Those of us who are icebergs, we, we hate confrontation. But don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, notice it's not take revenge, get even. The, the Bible verse doesn't say, when you're angry, get even, before, it's, before the sun goes down. Rebuking, it's not retaliation. It's not getting even. Rebuking aims to correct the other person, to make them more like Jesus. Rebuking is, comes from love as well as anger. Rebuking has the goal of restoring the, your relationship with the person who has upset you. We don't need to take revenge. We don't need to dispense justice. That's God's job. Now, actually, not taking revenge, I think that's also a way that we can deal with our anger, with our irritation. Not taking revenge is dealing with anger. And it actually shows that you're trusting God's justice. So Romans 12, verse 14, uh, it says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And then a bit further on, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody, including people who do evil to you. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Uh, fix relationships if you can. Do not take revenge, my friends. This is interesting, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. You see, delivering justice, that's God's job. By blessing people who persecute us, we are leaving space for God to work, for God to bring justice. We're to bless people, we're to pray for them, we're to desire good things for them when people persecute or harm us. Now that's what's going on in Psalm 37. Sarah, that was, uh, Sarah read that one. It's at the top of, of your sheet there. Part of what David says in this psalm, it's a, a psalm about evildoers who are hurting, uh, sinning against David. And part of what he says there in verse 7 is, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret do not worry when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger, turn from wrath, do not fret. It leads only to evil. Choosing to wait patiently for God rather than getting angry shows that we trust God. Be still before the Lord, says David. 
because God will make things right. Verse 9 continues, because, or for, evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. If we've been harmed, hurt, uh, insulted, we need to remind ourselves uh, when we're tempted to react in anger at injustice, uh, we need to remember that God will restore. He will deal with injustice. It might happen quickly. Uh, There may be a policeman over the hill for that bad driver who's nearly run you off the road. It might happen very quickly or maybe it will take a long time. But we are to wait on the Lord. Uh, We are to let God, leave room for God's wrath. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, says Ephesians. Deal with it. Maybe speak to the person. Rebuke, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation and growth. That'll be a hard word for us icebergs, those of us who avoid conflict. Or maybe dealing with it will mean not speaking to the person if you're a volcano, especially if your response is to take revenge, to get even and explode. Instead, dealing with it may mean ask God to bless them. Pray for that person. Remember that God will make things right. Take steps to live at peace with everyone. That'll be tough for the volcanoes to do. Now, whichever way you tend to react when you're angry, Ephesians 4 says to deal with it, deal with it quickly because anger is destructive. Anger is destructive, which is why the devil does not want you to deal with your anger. Verse 27 says, don't give the devil a foothold, something to grab onto, a lever, a button to push. Don't give the devil an opportunity. When you let the sun go down on your anger, when we bottle it up and say nothing, Satan loves it. He, he cheers. Because we hurt ourselves, we hurt our relationships with people, we miss out on an opportunity to help them grow when we rebuke them and seek their forgiveness. Anger, when we don't deal with it, gives the devil an opportunity. But it's not just anger. This passage lists all sorts of things that can damage us and Satan loves. Verse 25, stop lying. It's interesting, it's not do not lie. The Greek actually says stop lying. Now, this is written to churches. Stop lying. Verse 28, stop stealing. Again, it's not do not steal, it's stop stealing. Watch your handbags, ladies. That's the church in Ephesus. Verse 29, stop your unwholesome talk. Uh, That's silly talk, crude talk. And instead of that, speak what's helpful. Now, I think all of these things are related to anger. They're, They're reasons why people might get angry with one another. Irritations, problems that happen in any group of sinful people. Uh, Then verse 31 31 returns to the the, the idea of anger and the actions that flow from anger. So verse 31, look at it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. 
brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Now that's a comprehensive list. If you're a lawyer and you're looking for a loophole that that you can stay angry at someone, I don't think there are any loopholes here. There's no no way you can be a sneaky, angry person. Anger, I think, is the the first feeling. Get rid of that. Uh, Get rid of bitterness on the one hand. That's when you internalise the anger. That's the icebergs. Get rid of that. Uh, Get rid of rage on the other hand. That's the volcanoes. Rage might look like brawling. You know, that's physical or verbal fighting. Get rid of that. Or or maybe it's slander. Get rid of slander. That's when you spread lies about the other person. And then just to make sure there's nothing that's been left out, every form of malice. Malice is a feeling of spite or cruelty or nastiness. So that's a feeling. Get, Get rid of that. Get rid of all those things, thoughts, feelings, actions, words, everything that's connected to your anger. And instead, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Behave like God. Now, most of what I've said so far, it's good advice whether you're here this morning and you're a Christian or whether you're here and you're not a Christian. Most of what I've said so far, almost, well, I think everything I've said, it works whether you're a Christian or not. But here, I think, is where Christians have an advantage. We've been forgiven by God. We haven't earned that. We don't deserve it. And so we have both a motivation to forgive other people and we have a model to forgive other people rather than be angry. If you are one of God's people, then you were created to be like God. That is God's intended purpose for you. Look at how this section begins, back up in verse 22. See if you can follow the logic Uh, Verse 22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God's plan for you is to grow more like him. If God has a vision statement for you, it's that. Created to be like God. And then verse 25 continues, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood, etc. Do you see the logic? God's purpose is for you to be like him. So get in step with that vision. Grow into the person God is creating you to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness, and get rid of anger. But how? How do we do that? Some of us have been angry people for 50 years, more? Like, how do you just not be angry? For many of us, anger is a real problem. Impatience, 
frustration, bitterness, shouting, tension headaches seem to be daily companions. I wonder if that phrase from verse 23 is a hint. Created to be like God. And God is slow to anger. Now there's no doubt that God shows anger at sin, anger at rebellion, anger at injustice. There are hundreds of Bible verses in the New Testament as well as the Old that describe God's wrath, God's anger. In fact, anger is at the core of who God is. In Exodus, when Moses asked God to show him his glory... Here's what happens. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Neil actually quoted it at the start of his service today. God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Who is God? His generous, abundant, gracious love and slow, patient anger. Now, both of those are central to who God is. Now, they're not competing characteristics. They are two sides of the same coin. God's love for his people means he feels wrath against those who hurt them. God's love for us is a jealous love in the sense that he deserves our love and loyalty and he's angry when we give that to someone else. Love and anger are two sides, or love and slow to anger are two sides of the one coin. I don't want to push it too far, but... I suggest these verses are suggesting that God's preference is showing love rather than wrath or his preferred way of dealing with us. Notice he's abounding in love but he's slow to anger and his love is to thousands of generations but his anger is only to the third and the fourth generation. It's, it's like he very, the steam very quickly goes out of his anger. Or or he's very reluctant to become angry. But he's very quick to show love. I think that's certainly the the big picture of the Old Testament. As you look at God's character all the way through. Abundant, undeserving love to sinful people. The nation of Israel. But also his abundant patience. Yes, he he sends them into exile. But how many chances did they get? Again and again and again and again, there's a slowness to showing his anger. Now, he's created us to be like him in true holiness and righteousness. So work on being slow to anger. Whether your anger shows itself in resentment and bitterness, if you're, you're the iceberg, or, or whether your anger shows itself in rage and brawling for the volcano. Slow to anger. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When you feel your anger rising, count to ten, or a hundred, or a thousand, whatever you need to count to. As Psalm 37 says, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Listen carefully to what has been said before you speak. Maybe you've misunderstood. Maybe your action has come, your, your anger has come from not understanding. And think as you're counting to a hundred. Maybe there's a reason why they acted the way they did. Maybe you need to bear some of the blame as well for the situation. Uh, someone told me once that a bad driver who blasted their horn and nearly cut them off, they were able to, rather than getting angry, they were able to stop and say, wow, they must be having a really bad day to drive like that. I'm going to stop and pray for them. Uh, that's being slow to anger, isn't it? That's, uh... and remember Psalm 37, God will eventually make things right. You don't need to take revenge. You can leave room for God's justice, as Romans 12 says. I want to finish, though, by thinking about what it means. Uh, part of what, when, we, when we are still before God, uh, one of the things that we can be doing, and before we're speaking, one of the things we can do is to consider our own heart. In Luke 6.45, Jesus says, The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Next time you feel yourself getting angry, this is an opportunity for you to examine what's in your heart. Because we get angry when we fail to receive something that we value. There's something in our heart that we really want and when we're stopped from getting it, that's when we get angry. Uh, James chapter 4 explains what's underneath our anger. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it, so you kill. You covet but you cannot have what you want, you quarrel and fight. Next time you're angry, stop, look at your heart. Be still before God, reflect on what it is that you want that you're not receiving. You want safety. And that bad driver is risking your safety. And so you get angry. You want respect, you want to be appreciated, but your kids or your spouse ignores you and leaves their clothes everywhere and leaves the tap running and leaves the lights on and leaves the toothpaste out, whatever it might be. You want respect and to be appreciated and they're not giving you that, so you get angry. You want control, but nobody will listen to you. They ignore what you say. You want comfort, you just want to relax, 
But as soon as you get home from work, your wife asks you to go back to the shops because you forgot something, so you get angry. When you get angry, stop and ask yourself, what am I wanting that I'm missing? When you work it out, repent to God. But then repent of it thoughtfully and humbly and specifically to the person you've been angry towards. And ask God to replace that false love in your heart with a greater love for him. And let go of the desire for revenge and ask him to grow you to be more like him in being slow to anger and being kind and compassionate and forgiving. Uh, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we confess that all of us at times get angry, uh, so we pray that you would uh, help us uh, to examine our hearts, uh, help us to put to death the old nature, uh, help us to be slow to anger and quick to listen. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.